Lord, for His love this morning. Um, I saw a very disturbing church sign this week. I, uh, I said, Lord, you know the intent of their heart, and I trust it was in the right place. But it said this, you are worthy of God's love. And I thought I had read it wrong, so I read it again. You know, if they think that, they don't know where I was. <laughs> and there was nothing in me that was worthy of Calvary. Nothing. <laughs> That's why it's so special. It's because God's love can love when the situation says, shut it off. Oh, Paul said it very clearly. For by grace are you saved through faith. It is that outreaching and proffering of God's love to the undeserving and those who could never, ever have merited any favor or God countenancing us. And the minute you start touting your deserts, you're in trouble. But when we begin to cry out and say, except for your mercy, Lord, except for your mercy and offering of love and grace, but praise the Lord, he does love the unlovely. Amen. And those who could never, never be. I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 5 this morning, a somewhat uh, familiar passage of Scripture. And maybe a text that you have heard, uh, perhaps even preached from. I'm sure I've referenced it somewhere over the last number of years. But... Um, Intrigued by a word. And so I've been trying to start out this new year. I don't know how long we'll continue and how to come through 21 with victory. How to come through it with victory. How to not lose our way. And some exhortation already from Brother Plank uh, during camp meeting of some of his very heavy concern of so many that are losing their way in this age. And I don't want you to be one of them. <laughs> I want you to know the joy of a life filled with all the fullness of God and uh, so it's kind of out of that heart uh, throb this morning. And uh, let's go down to verse number 14. And we'll just read three verses there, 14, 15, and 16. Shall we read together? Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. 
See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Father, you want this truth to become a reality in every one of us. Thank you, Lord, that while you did love us when we were in darkness and sin, that the light shined in darkness. We praise you for that this morning. And you just want us, oh Lord, then to learn how to grow and develop in our relationship with you and how we learn to share the love and compassion of Christ with the world around us. And so we pray that you would help to that end. And Father, something that will keep us true and steadfast. We pray it in the worthy name of our Savior. Amen. Amen. Well, one of the things in this little section that Paul has been talking about is the darkness that's around us, but reminding the Ephesian believers that Christ became the light that shined in the darkness. And he became a light that makes manifest. And Oh boy, we could do that for a while, but uh, that's not our purpose today. But he did talk about our being able to come alive from the dead, we who were in trespasses and in sins, the scriptures say. And uh, when that happens, Christ then will give us light in order that we may walk circum. Spectly. So I want to uh, talk just a minute this morning about this walking circumspectly because it is a word that's used five times in the New Testament, the Greek New Testament. It's used five times. It's translated about three different ways in the King James Version uh, of our English Bible. But um, walk circumspectly. It is a word that means to walk exactly. Be very exacting in your walk. It is translated diligently a couple of different places in the word of the Lord. See then that ye walk diligently. Mm, that means put some oomph in it. You ever lose your oomph? Whatever that word means, but I think we understand it. Uh, drink an energizer. Maybe that will help as you do that. It is a word that means to be perfect. In fact, it's translated one time. Walk perfectly. You say, Brother Cole, I'm out of here. Well, he was simply telling the Ephesian believers that Christ will give you light to be able to be exacting in your walk and walk completely, fully in love with him. Amen. Um, now, one uh, form of the word, basic roots the same, but uh, the word is a little different. Um, there's a reference to strictness. The word of the Lord, I'm not going to reference that one this morning, um, but it said he was a member of the strict sect of uh, the Jewish people and uh, strictness. And so that's a word here. That's not a very popular word in our day. We want to be tolerant today, right? But uh, uh, I just want to do the things that always please him. And so may God talk to us this morning. We talk about this circumspect walking. Let's turn to Matthew uh, chapter 2, verse 8. 
and see uh, this accountant's perspective. Matthew, uh, Brother Bud, um, was a uh, all practical purpose as an accountant, only he was the traitor, you remember. Aren't you glad the love of Christ reached Matthew? What would we read at Christmas time if we didn't have Matthew's account of the wise man and all the, the wonderful things that happened there? But uh, you remember he collected taxes and kept records for the uh, government of Rome, but uh, his people hated him. The Jews called him a traitor and they despised him and they wouldn't have allowed him to come into their house and they wouldn't have broken bread with him or whatever. But Jesus loved him anyway. Aren't you grateful for that? And uh, he found Matthew sitting there at the receipt of custom and the love of Christ reached out to him. But uh, out of that, exactness. Now, let me ask you, Brother Bud, since you're the accountant here this morning, do accountants have to be exact? <laughs> oh, I'm so glad he said that because I was keeping school books for a preacher many years ago. And he said, now you don't have to do it to the very penny. Boy, something in my accountant's blood began to turn. And I said, well, he may do that. And but I can't do that. And uh, so I had everything to the penny and, and it proved somebody was off a penny. And uh, uh, then his blood boiled because he thought I was making somebody look bad because they were only off a penny. But, uh, you know, I want the books to balance uh, down to the penny or whatever. But uh, here's Matthew. So we get his perspective. And Matthew 2.8, he's telling the story about Herod and the wise men. And he tells them, go and search. What's the next word? Diligently. That's this word circumspectly. It is the word akrobos in Greek. And it simply means go and search with diligence. Give some oomph to it. Not goofing off. I think their hearts, some people are losing their way simply because they just want to coast. They thought they were going along for a roller coaster ride and they're just going to get a lot of jollies and there's no work in it, no effort in it. There's no thing required of them to put some energy in it. But what Paul is telling the Ephesian church, because Christ has given us light, we walk with oomph, we walk with diligence, just like he expected them to search diligently until they found the young child. And I'm glad that Matthew then records for us down in verse 11 of that same passage. He said, and then they came into the house and they found the child. Hallelujah. Aren't you grateful that they put some diligence into their uh, effort and energy to find the Christ child? And they were able to find him. Some people aren't finding him because they're not putting any diligence into their seeking for him. They just want to be spoon fed and body coddled and all of it instead of putting some real energy into it. But can I tell you in your heart, you have every hope of being successful in an overcoming walk with the Lord when you give it your gusto. Amen. Amen. I know. I know, and the human vessel gets weary sometimes and tired. 
that I must become the captain of my ship and keep it focused and keep it moving forward. Put some oomph into it. It'd be a lot easier a lot of times to just stay home. <laughs> but when they say revival, something in me just fires up and I say, yes, Lord, I'll be there. I'm tired and dead worn out, but I'm going anyway. Why do I do that? Because I want to put some energy into this thing of walking with the Lord. I'm walking circumspectly. I don't want to get blown off course. I don't want to lose my way. I'm not just a drifting vessel. We sing that song sometimes, sing it here many times. Drifting vessel, cast your anchor in the master of the sea. There is something you have to get hooked up to him. And you do that on purpose. Do that with some energy. Not goofing off and think that you can just coast. Be willy-nilly, whatever that means. Tucker, you used that phrase this week? No, willy-nilly. Devil may care. If I do, I do. If I don't, I don't. But I like people who put diligence and not goofing because I know they're headed for eternity and they're going to make it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we got some people here who put some oomph into being here this morning. I like to watch the cars begin to show up in the parking lot. It's awesome to see it happening. You just put some energy into it, not because it's convenient, not because it gives you your jollies. You just do it because Christ is giving you light. You're just walking circumspectly. You're giving some diligence to it. You're putting some oomph into it. Does that mean sometimes you, you, you don't feel like it? Yeah, but you drive it anyway. Does that mean sometimes you're tired? Yeah, but you drive it energy. Sometimes other things are inconvenient, but you just do it anyway because you got to make it. And uh, I bless the Lord for that. Let's look at Luke chapter one, verse three. We find the next time this word is used. Luke um, is the historian, not an accountant. Luke is a historian. Okay. So often we call him the beloved physician, but uh, he's more known in uh, uh, to theologians and, and others who have studied the writings of scripture as being the uh, historian who understood how to put things together. And so he's writing about um, this message that he wrote, the gospel that he put down, um, because by this time, um, some feel like um, uh, Mark had already written one of the first of those to be written. And um, there are some that suggest that part of the major sources for Mark's writing came from Peter, um, who would have related these to young John Mark. And, and, uh, and uh, maybe because he was younger, a little more energy, he took uh, Peter's truths and wrote them down. And whether you believe that or not, it's not a heaven and hell issue. You just study the word of God and let it be a blessing to you. But, but uh, Luke said that it seemed good to me having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first to write unto thee in order huh, that thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. So here's the historian talking about circumspect walking. 
Although uh, the translators here use this word perfect. So it's a word uh, that means he was careful and he tells us how he was careful. It wasn't the exactness that was referenced by Matthew as he put his book together. But it is that that says in chronology, he was very careful to make sure he got the chronology right. Don't you like a historian who understands that? Amen. And let me just encourage you. If you see any used ancient history books of American history written back in the 20s and 30s and 40s, buy them because they're going to start disappearing as we undergo in a culture the rewrite of American history. It's already happening. It's already happening. Grab you some ancient history texts. And uh, so that you know the truth about the fathers of our country. They're making them all to be atheistic and, and playboys and 101 other things that they're trying to say about the fathers of our country that just aren't so. But um, Luke said, I got them in order from the very first. He had perfect understanding. This isn't speaking to us so much of diligence as details, not guesswork. Details. He puts them in there. And so often, don't you love reading uh, the Christmas account of Luke? I've already mentioned Matthew, but uh, the one most of us memorize comes out of Luke chapter 2, doesn't it? And we learn about Bethlehem and the shepherds and all those wonderful things that have just become part of who we are. And a lot of those details are only given by Luke because he is the historian. And uh, he knew that details become important. They help tell the story. And I am grateful for that. But when I thought about this in walking circumspectly, God gives you the details and you need to have a detailed life. You need to go on the authority of the word of God and the details that are given in here and not just leave it up to guesswork. You need to study it. You need to get a, this perspective and pay attention to details. Oh, it doesn't matter. I could just skim through this and over this and I don't need a concordance and I don't need to go to Sunday school and I don't need the preaching. And No, you need to learn because you need the details. They are what is going to help you walk circumspectly in this world. How are you going to respond to the evil and wickedness around us if you don't know? the corners to turn and the I's to dot and the T's to cross. You say, oh, Brother Cole, is that really matter? God says it matters. And Luke wrote it. He gave me the ability to put this in here perfectly. Or acrobos with exacting detail. They weren't sitting down guessing what they were writing. They were writing the truth. And when Paul is writing and giving us detailed explanation, I can't just kick it out and say, oh, that was for another day and time. No, it was for the darkness in which we live. It was for the world in the day in which we have come to be. And we're going to make it all the way through to the city because we do pay attention to details. Hallelujah. And don't go guessing. I suppose, I guess. No, 
Say, thus saith the Lord. Amen. Some people are losing their way this morning because they're never in the book. And they take somebody's opinion for their gospel. You don't believe me? Just get on Facebook. Well, I read this, and they'll give some worldly quote that you couldn't any more identify with Scripture than the man in the moon. And something in me just says, buddy, you're going to give account for the words out of your mouth because you're leading people down the garden path to the place of eternal destruction. And when they give you something that goes cross grain with the details given to you in the word of the Lord, you know they're leading you the wrong way. Huh? So verify it with the word of the Lord. But you know what? I'm grateful. This wasn't intended to be a negative sermon, Miss Jeanette. <laughs> She's got me being careful. But I delight in the fact that God knows the way I think because I want eyes dotted and T's crossed. And I want to know. I want God to tell me, is it yes, is it no, is it black, is it white? Everything that needs to be black or white is in the book. Amen. If it's supposed to be black or white, it's in the book. You know why he did that for me? <laughs> did that for me so I can say chapter and verse. This is where it comes from. This is why I do this. This is why I don't go there. This is why I don't talk like that. This is why I don't wear this. This is why. And I go to the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, that's circumspect walking because of the dark age in which we're in. Let's look at uh, in which we are. Thank you, Sister Cole. I saw that look. Let's look at number three, Acts 18. Same author. Acts 18. Christ shall give thee light. I, I love that. And here's some light for us. A certain Jew, down at verse number 24, named Apollos. And here's the, here's the details again. You, we called uh, Luke the, the detailed historian. Uh, named Apollos. He gave us the birthplace of Apollos, Alexandria. I probably wouldn't have done that. But I'm not a historian. Okay. He says a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man. Mighty in the scriptures, and he came to Ephesus. Well, you already know because we've studied Acts, what happens at Ephesus. Wonderful revival outbreak and people sanctified, holy, filled with the Holy Spirit. But here comes Apollos, and this man was instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit. He spake and taught diligently. Or circumspectly, or with oomph, whatever your definition uh, might be, he taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. That means he'd been saved, but had not heard about the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. 
And I know this is review for those of you who were uh, with us in our study on Acts, but um, he'd had the first work. It was working and he was blessed by it. He was mighty in scriptures and he was teaching others. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. However, Aquila and Priscilla had heard. Now, Aquila and Priscilla had had the second work. They knew the blessing of a pure heart. They knew the baptism with Holy Ghost and fire, not just John's baptism of repentance. And they expounded unto him the way of the Lord more perfectly or more fully, more completely. Here's Mr. Apollos. When he was disposed to pass into Achaia, the brethren wrote and exhorted the disciples there to receive him. Whom, when he was come, helped them much, which had believed through grace. There's a whole sermon in just that little phrase, and we don't have time to do that this morning. But here is Apollos, has a first work, doing well, but God now gives him more light about the sanctifying work through Aquila and Priscilla. And they teach him, there's another blessing. You're missing it. I don't know everything that was preaching. We don't get the rest of the story. We'll get that when we get to heaven. Hallelujah. I'm signing up for the book of Acts. I, I just want to study it again. But uh, there we go. But it says he helped them much what had believed through grace. Now, grace was wonderful. It changed Apollos' life. It made him a new creation in Christ. It made him a dynamic witness for Christ. But here came Aquila and Priscilla and said, there's another discipline you need to study. You need to go through the exacto knife of the sanctifying work of the Holy Ghost and let God purge your heart from an evil conscience. You need, you need to let God circumcise your heart and that of your seed. And somewhere between verse number 26 and verse number 27, God did the work on him. And what was he able to do? When he got down to Achaia, he began to help other believers who had been baptized with John's baptism and led them into an experience of heart holiness and purity and taught them that it wasn't enough just to say we're saved by grace. God wants to do another work in you. Can I tell you, there are a lot of people missing the way today because they think they don't have to discipline themselves. They think they don't have to be sanctified holy. They think they got it all at once. But if you think you got it all at once, you're going to be in spiritual trouble. God has a sanctifying work for you. Oh, aren't you glad Apollos got it? And when he got down there, he got in on the holiness revival because he began to preach holiness. Hallelujah. Help them much. They'd been saved by grace. You say they didn't need help. They had everything they need. That's not what the word of the Lord says. The word of the Lord says they needed help. And you need help this morning if you haven't been sanctified holy. And let God do a work in you to help you to walk circumspectly. Oh, I love that. He taught them diligently. One of the other words for this of our understanding of acrobosis with discipline. 
strictness, exacting. Hallelujah. 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 No excuse. But we live in a day when many are losing their way because they don't want anything to do with disciplines and they want to say only grace. I thank God for grace. I would not be saved if it were not for grace. Had God not loved me when I was unlovely and offered me Calvary, I could never have earned it. I could never have deserved it. I could never have been worthy of it. But you know what is one good testimony of whether or not grace is operating in you? Stephanie, it's when you hunger and thirst after righteousness that you may be filled. It's when you want more of what you got back there. It's when you want everything that God can give to you and you just seek him day in and day out never with carelessness or indifference that oh something within that says lord i yield myself to your disciplines your exactness <laughs> and god will do that for you Hallelujah. Even after you're sanctified holy, we get more light and God gives us more grace just to step up. Hallelujah. That's Sister Becky's phrase. You got to step up. And uh, some people just need to do that. They just need to step up. Hallelujah. How do you step up? You just yield to the grace God gives you to practice another discipline in your life. You say, Brother Cole, that sounds so negative. No, can I tell you, it's so confirming. <laughs> Hallelujah. When the Spirit of the Lord says, this pleases me. Hallelujah. Huh? And He puts a little more rub on your face. The saints that I knew, Sister Butler could shine like a hundred watt light bulb when she'd come in that door of church. You always wanted to see Sister Butler because her face shone like a million dollars. Hallelujah. I remember the saints down at Hope Sound, uh, Sister Hanelton, their faces would shine. Hallelujah. I've forgotten the little crossing guard lady. Oh my. And she'd get blessed down there in church. All right, if it comes to you, say it out. It, it'll be all right. But uh, she made me want what she had. I just, I, wa I wanted her shine. <laughs> I wanted her grace. <laughs> I wanted to have that that she manifested. Dear heart, can I tell you, God wants to do that for you. It's not a name, well, you have to. No, I get to. <laughs> it's not a have to, it's I get to. Hallelujah. Because I love him and he loves me and brings that kind of exactness to my life. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Well, let me give you the last one. Hallelujah. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse number 2. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse number 2. But of the times and seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly. There's our word. It's the same word that's translated circumspectly in Ephesians and translated diligently by Luke. It's the same word. Yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord is coming. Hmm. And when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction is going to come upon them as travail upon a woman with child. Ye shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness. Aren't you glad that Christ will give you light? You're not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. God wants you to make it. 
God wants you to not be in the dark. He doesn't want you going on guesswork and just goofing off and depending on, on the grace to carry you along in spite of your willfulness and, and rejection of light and truth. No. God wants you to be ready for the press, for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He's given you a goal to strive for. And you have to decide in your mind there's another understanding of this word decisively that you are going all the way through with God and when the rapture takes place you expect to be a part of it hallelujah because I'm pressing toward the glory land I'm in this for keeps I'm going all the way through hallelujah yourselves know what perfectly you have the decisive uh, choices to make does it happen just once or twice you say brother Cole you're saying I just get two works of grace and then I can coast no it happens regularly and I get in the word in the morning the Holy Spirit comes in that little seat beside me sometimes I feel like his hand just goes across those lines and something will jump and I'll either hear him say, step up. Or we can do this together. I'll forgive you. And I love it when he does that. Because I'm in love with him. He doesn't want me to miss it. He wants me to make it. He wants me to go all the way through with him. And I made a decision back there, yes. But I make it again when I meet the Lord in the morning. And I say, Lord, I'm on your hands. I told him that this morning. I said, I'm on your hands. I'm not quitting. I'm not going back. I've got to move forward. And God is helping me to do that. And he will help you to do that. And you can make it. Hallelujah. Oh, circumspect. Some say that means to look around. Well, let me give you four things. The first word might have suggested that you look onward. There's something that you have to do to uh, give yourself to diligence. Not goofing off. Look onward. You keep press. Give yourself to it. Look inward. Oh, yes. The details. Is God interested in the little wrong attitude? Do they matter? The Word of God says they matter. We want to do that. Look around you. Do like Apollos, faithful in his witness. And God wanted his light to shine brighter. And so uh, as he looked around him, saw others with their needs, he was able to be a blessing to them. Can you be? Are you? If not, God can help you to step up. Look upward. There's the last one. Jesus said, then look up, for your redemption draweth Die. Hallelujah. See then that you walk with acrobos. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the truth from your word. And you have given the way for us to make it and live with confidence and assurance that we're going to. And we praise you for the day that grace ever opened our eyes to our lost condition, helped us to repent of our sins and trust Christ, and you forgave us, and you cleansed us, and you walked with us, and we bless you for that, made us new in Christ. But you began to teach us how to walk with you, and Father, we want to thank you for that. 
that uh, when we understood that there were disciplines involved, something still said yes. Father, thank you for the day when we wanted to know more and you led us in the light of holiness and the work that you did for us and for so many because they were willing to recognize they didn't get it all at the beginning, but God had new grace for them and wanted them to step up. God wanted them to move forward in the kingdom of God. Father, we thank you that Jesus is coming again. And Lord, we live with anticipation. Something is getting excited. Oh, Father, thank you for not letting us get our focus on things of this earth, but Father, on things that are eternal. And we pray that you would give grace to everyone in the house this morning to keep pressing toward the glory land. And We know you'll give them every needed grace to be triumphant because they've paid attention to the exacting business of serving the Lord. Let it be so, we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. God bless you.